Hello and welcome to this top of the table edition of the Jersnet podcast. At the end of another busy week, Rangers have reclaimed their rightful place at the summit of Scottish football for the first time in six years. Now the challenge turns to defending our position and, as always, we welcome the chase. Thanks a lot for joining us today. We've got plenty coming up on the show tonight with a hard-fought victory over Hearts at the weekend and a midweek draw at Ibrox in Europe, all getting the Gerset dissection treatment. Before we turn our attention to the week ahead, there is plenty to discuss. My name's Ross Bennett and I'm going to be your Gerset podcast host this week. Joining me on the show, first up, we have one of our regular contributors, Mr. David Fraser. David, how's things at your end today? Good evening, Ross. Hi, not too bad, thanks. Uh, just basking in the three points of victory at Tynecastle this evening. Aye, basking in three points is nicer than basking in uh, in warm weather anyway. Also joining us on the show tonight, he's been a crucial member of the podcast team since day one, but he's usually putting the hard work behind uh, the scenes on the technical side. Today he's going to be stepping out in front of the microphone for the first time. It is uh, Graham, our audio engineer. Graham, welcome to the show. Uh, are you excited to be making your podcast debut today? I'm very excited to be making my podcast debut, Ross. Thanks very much. It certainly uh, certainly picked a good week to get involved. I'm sure spirits are going to be high tonight after an excellent result at Pine Castle earlier. Uh, it seems like as good a place as any to, to get started, so we might as well fire right in. Um, Graham, what did you make of the overall performance today at Pine Castle? Obviously, a, a hard-fought three points, um, a lot of character as well to, to come back from 1-0 down quite a hostile and, and intimidating atmosphere. What did you make of the show? I thought for roughly about the first 20 minutes, um, Hearts put us under a lot of pressure. But after that, it was it was pretty much all Rangers, really. I, I don't disagree. I think that in, in a way, we, we never really started to play football until until they started, you know, put, put themselves a goal up. And that kind of, especially in our midfield, that really gave us a bit of a kick up the arse and, and got us going. Um, but for the first 20 minutes, there was there was really only one team in it. And I was kind of a little bit fearful that maybe our, our players were, you know, feeling a little bit intimidated or, or a bit nervous, had the fact that we could have gone top of the table in the back of their minds. And, and it wasn't a good start at all. David, how about yourself? What's, what's your immediate reaction to the result today? Yeah, well, just obviously pleased to, to get the three points, as I said, at the top of the show. But um, yeah, I, I would concur with you guys. I don't think we started playing really until they scored. Um, you would expect Hearts to come out in the, the manner that they did in the first 15-20 minutes um, and put us under pressure. The, the, the team tended to stand firm. Um, obviously, it was an own goal that we conceded, which you know, on another day might you know slip past the post if, if Gareth McCauley goes with the opposite foot. Um, I thought the performance overall was, was pretty good, Ross, considering we, um, we took a couple of bookings, obviously, with a man sent off and we managed to come back from going a goal behind in, in a, a hostile atmosphere and come out on top, which was, was very, very pleasing. Absolutely. Um, and like you say, going, going down to 10 men again, it shows something that we already knew about this side is that there's character and there's, there's guts um, in, in the dressing room that these, these players can respond to going a man down with. You know, it wasn't, this wasn't in the 85th, 90th minute. This was a significant chunk of time left. We went down to 10 men. So, it shows that we've got bravery and, and that the players will stand up for each other and, and, and make themselves count, which maybe last season, two seasons ago, we, we might not have had the players that would do that. Graham, for you, did anyone particularly stand out today? Who was impressive at Tynecastle for you? 
who was impressive. Um, I would say Alfredo Morelos was 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 outstanding. He pushed their centre backs all day. Who else? I thought Scott Arfield until he got sent off. He was also impressive. And both the centre backs, um, Gareth McCauley and uh, Conor Goldson, were excellent. I thought Lasana Koulibaly, uh started was starting to come on to a game as as he was just being subbed, but um, he struggled a bit for 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 most of the, the time that he was on. To be absolutely honest with you, so that's that's kind of the way I read the game. I think that's uh, that's pretty fair to be honest. I mean, it's it's sort of becoming a, a recurring story with Lasana Koulibaly now that he's. We've said that before, not quite hitting the same heights that he did before the injury. You know, we were all so excited uh, after his first few performances. He looked like he was really kind of botting it. Um, but since he's come back for injury, we've said it before numerous times that he's not quite um, hitting those levels of performances that he did before he went out injured. But um, I'm glad that you mentioned Alfredo Morelos because I, I completely agree. And I think he was excellent yet again. He scored there. I think I'm right in saying he scored in seven consecutive Scottish Premier League games which equals the record in the Premiership era for, for consecutive goals in games. Um, of course, that's not the, the narrative that's been picked up in the media. It's not about yet another goal, you know, matching this goal-scoring record. The narrative in the media, once again, is, and this is word for word, you know, what, what's written on the BBC Sport website, is that Alfredo Morelos needs to watch his temperament again. And Yeah, yeah, they're always going on about Alfredo Morelos' temperament. Um uh, the media is a little bit schizophrenic as far as that's concerned. They're either talking about being a hothead or now they've, they've decided to to question referees and whether or not he's getting too much protection or not, which is ludicrous, to be absolutely honest with you. It's absolutely bizarre because today, you know, he had a, a running battle against Christoph Berra, which actually I really enjoyed watching because it was a good old-fashioned centre-half. And I like Christoph Berra, actually. I really rate him as a player. I think he's a good good centre-half, going up against a kind of old-school physical bruiser of a forward who, Alfredo, you know, we all say he puts himself about, he's not afraid to kind of use his, his body weight um, and it was a really good old-fashioned battle between the pair of them and actually if you looked at them, it looked like they both enjoyed the battle, um, enjoyed the physical side of things and yet Morelos comes away with it, you know, he, he needs to, to watch how he's playing, the referees are, are giving him too much protection and things like that and it just, it, it, it bugs me Absolutely no end. Yeah, I think I think um, I think you're absolutely correct. There was there was a nice not nice isn't necessarily the right word. That that was a good battle between the two of them. And then of course Alfredo he ends up getting himself booked about 10, 20 minutes from the end of the game for for nothing really. I don't know well, what you guys think of that. What what you thought of Alfredo's booking? I mean, for me, it's it, it was just it's one of those that could. I think because he'd, he'd committed so many niggly little fouls or what the referee had seen as fouls, um, if he hadn't booked him at some point, the Hearts fans would have been going, I mean, they were going mental anyway at the referee. Um, I think he kind of buckled to a wee bit of, of pressure on that front um, and, and probably felt like he had to book the guy. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I don't think for that challenge it necessarily warranted a yellow card, but I think it was one of those that it's just been this accumulation of little fouls and the referee felt that he had to do something about it. Obviously, if we're, if we're sticking with the referee, the biggest talking point on that front is going to be Scott Arfield's red card, which you know it left the team with a, a really difficult position on paper, you know, in, in a difficult place to go with 20 minutes um, to defend a one-goal lead with 10 men. But there's, there's kind of been a lot of discussion following the game today about whether or not it was a red card. 
Um, I'm going to come to both of you on this, get, get both of your opinions. David, you first. Do you think that Scott Arfield should have been sent off or could he have got away with a yellow there? Difficult one. Difficult one. I, I thought he was late, Ross, to be perfectly honest. And I think that given the state of the game, how it's refereed these days, I, I think it was um, it was always going to incur the wrath of the referee, especially when, when you've got um, the Hearts players reacting in the manner that they did. Which, to be fair, I, I would... If the shoe was near their foot and somebody slid into Alan McGregor, I'd expect our players to react in a similar manner. So, um, I think in years gone by, it would have been a yellow, but I think in today's current climate, um, I think it was going to be a red card. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know what, the, what Scott was thinking. He was maybe possibly gambling on the keeper fumbling it, but it was, it was definitely late. Graham, how about yourself? Well, my initial uh, reaction to it was, what is going on here? Uh, it looked to me like the ball was in play and the goalkeeper was scrambling for it and he'd only one hand on it, but the ball was still moving. Um, but then after reviewing, watching it again, um, Scott Arfield is late, as David says. As he's sliding in, the goalkeeper manages to get both hands on it. And for me, it's a booking. I don't think it's a, a red card. I think if you look at the, the, the reaction of the Hearts keeper, um, he wasn't rolling about as if he was injured. Um Scott obviously protested his innocence and in saying that he went for the ball. I think I'm not exactly clear on the, the the laws of the game where this is concerned, but as Graham mentioned there, the keeper had two hands in the ball, but um, does that constitute him having full control of the ball? I'm not too sure on that one. Um, maybe someone can, with better knowledge of the laws of the game can enlighten me in that respect, but I think he's he seen the reaction of the Hearts goalkeeper. That, that kind of told a story, which would maybe lead you down the, the line I think maybe a, a booking would have been sufficient but I don't know you'd need to ask Scott what he was thinking when he went through to slide through I, uh, Listen I'm actually going to slightly disagree with the pair of you and I think it was I think we can have no complaints I think it was a a, a warranted red card I actually to a degree agree with you Graham and that I think when Arfield kind of started the move the goalkeeper had kind of slightly fumbled the ball and it was definitely out of control but by the time he'd finished that slide for me, the goalkeeper had both hands on the ball and it was it was under the goalkeeper's control. And I always think the the best way to kind of judge these things is if it happened to us, how would I, how would I feel about it? And if that happened to, to McGregor, I'd be screaming for the red cards. So it's it, I think it's it's really kind of stupid and clumsy from our field as one of the more experienced and senior professionals to even give the referee the, the, the question there, you know, give him a decision to make. And I think... Gerard will probably be really, really disappointed in him and, and have a, a strong word with him about that because with such a kind of demanding and grueling schedule of games coming up, we already need to be rotating the squad. So to have the options become limited because of a slightly needless challenge like that um, is, is is just not it's not very bright. It's not very smart for me, and I was I was disappointed to see it. But at the same time, it's it's kind of an unorthodox red card. Like you don't see that kind of thing very often. Um, so I can understand why there is this debate around it, um, and it's good to have debate around these things. Obviously, the goalkeeper for me was incredibly dramatic. You know, immediately clutching his face and then up and about. Um, the Hearts players were on it like a shot, but I'd want my players to be on it like a shot as well. But the referee again, he couldn't get his card out fast enough. So maybe it wasn't a particularly measured and composed decision that the referee made, but I don't necessarily think it was the wrong decision. Um, I, I, I just found it, that I was quite disappointed in Scott Arfield that he even gave the referee a decision to make there. But 
we've got options in midfield. Um, we'll come on later in the show. We'll be talking about what we're going to do going forward this week. Obviously, it's a huge week for us, and, and Scott's left a wee bit of a gap there to be filled. Um, it is what it is, and, and I think from Stephen Gerrard's post-match comments today, it looks like we probably won't be appealing that one. So I guess we kind of take it on the chin and move on. However, we have picked up now a, a significant number of red cards. It seems to me that most weeks now we're talking about so-and-so has been sent off, whether it's Morelos, whether it's um, Scott Arfield this week. It does seem like there have been a fair few red cards. David, for you, do you think that Rangers maybe have a problem with discipline? Is that a fair comment to make? Uh, I think the statistics would possibly point you in that direction, Ross. I, I'm, I'm kind of... 50-50 on this one. I, I think I'm of the opinion that, re, that Rangers are definitely refereed to a different standard to a lot of teams. We, we, we had a discussion in last week's board with regards to the statistics um, on the number of fouls per yellow card in the league. Uh, and Rangers um, are, are quite uh, high up. I think they're, they're, they're fourth top in the, the crime count. Um, I think you both... Put it this way, they are uh, they're making it easy for referees to um, you know to, to 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 make possibly contentious decisions on some of their, their passages of play. Um, I, it's a difficult one, Ross, because you, you, you're loath to be too critical of them because you could. Talk to your blue in the face about being a bit more streetwise and um, and not giving the likes of uh, Wally Collum uh, a decision to make. Um, some some officials are by nature officious um, and kind of you know they're card happy. Uh, but I to, to answer your question, I think that the the disciplinary record leaves a lot to be desired as a Rangers team. Now, I, I want Rangers to be competitive in the park. You know, in, in years gone past, certainly under uh, Mark Warburton and uh, to an extent under Pedro Cassini, we were seen as a bit of a soft touch. Stevie's you know, introduced a wee bit more steel into the side. And uh, I think they're maybe just need to be a wee bit cuter in terms of how they handle passages of play in certain games. I think that, that last point you make there is, is really important in the that we've complained over the past two seasons about the lack of steel, the lack of grit and the lack of bite that we've had in the squad and that, you know, we were a, definitely a soft touch, you know, there's, there's no arguing that. Um, and and if, if Gerard has introduced this, this bite, this physicality, then we shouldn't be complaining about that. Obviously, we've seen so many times this season that, that referees are... are so ready to, to flash cards to Rangers and we're, we're giving them those decisions probably because that's a byproduct of the aggression that, that Gerard wants to introduce to the squad. Graham, how do you see this one? Do you think that we have a, a problem with discipline that we need to be addressing or is it um, you know, kind of unfair to make that comment and maybe the referees are being too liberal with their use of red cards for Rangers? To be absolutely honest with you, I don't think Rangers have got an issue with discipline. If you think about it, in the, uh, in the Scottish campaign, We've had Alfredo Morelos, um, Scott Arfield today, I don't think that was a red. You disagree, but that's fine. Um, and Daniel Candias sent off for two yellow cards at St Mern. So that's three reds that we've had. And then also in European competition, you've got John Flanagan, Daniel Candias, and Alfredo Morelos. Alfredo Morelos 
um, in a European competition, two yellow cards. It looks bad, on, and as far as the stats are concerned, it looks bad. But I think the only red card um, that you could say is a proper red card was Ross McCrory's against the man at home, and because it's outside the box, and he's got to go. But other than that, no, I don't think we've got a, a disciplinary problem, no. When you spell it out like that, you, you, you make a very good point that I have picked up these red cards, um, and on paper that looks bad, but when you break them down one by one, um, there are some decisions that have been more than questionable and, and been discussed at length on this on this show. So I, th- I think you make a really, really good point there. If we turn our attention now back to the game today and, and back to specific players and their performances, um, someone that again stood out for me today was, was Andy Halliday. I thought he had a, a really solid game. He made a couple of individual mistakes, but generally playing at left-back, his positional sense was, was pretty good. He made some very, very crucial challenges. His distribution was better than a lot of other players on the park for me. Um, and I think we've seen since Steven Gerrard came in that this this lad has been reinvigorated. He's kind of got a new lease on life when it looked to all ends that his Rangers career was probably over. And I think he would have, he'd probably accept that he thought he was out the door when, when Gerrard came in. So he's had yet another performance today that was probably, you know, at, at least a 7 out of 10 David, for you, how much has Gerard's arrival reinvigorated Andy Halliday? I think it's key, Ross. He's, Stevie's been in record as saying that he, he thought it very important to have Rangers men in the squad. Some, you know, players that know what the club's all about, you know, grew up as fans. And he, that's important in any dressing room, uh, especially when you've got a, you know, a number of uh, foreign lads in the, in the, the dressing room as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, Andy went in pre-season training to the to the camp in Spain. Um, Steven Gerrard's obviously saw fit to include him in, in the plans. Um, laid it on the line to him, say that you know you'll only be realistically expecting to to get X amount of minutes in terms of game time over the, the period of the season. But I think as you've you know you rightly pointed out there, especially his performance today, probably. You could arguably say maybe Andy's best performance of the season, given the, the circumstances, although he has put in some good performances in Europe. Um, aye, I think Andy Halliday deserves credit. He's, to come back from the, the humiliation of being subbed in the first half of the, the Cup semi-final uh, last season, um, says a lot about his, his strength of character. Um, that's obviously it's, it's easy to do when... When the manager's got your back and, and actually rates you as a, as a player or as you know as an important squad member, so you know, I think it's a two-way street. I think uh, Stevie's obviously given him confidence, and Andy's you know um, knuckled down and, and, and try to improve. He, he's certainly got a bit sharper. To, to my mind, he's he's still a wee bit slow um, in certain instances. Uh, he seen today. I think he was he was caught dwelling in the ball when he was he was trying to flag for for offside and he nearly cost us towards the end of the game but that said I think he, as you mentioned Ross he made some timely interventions and, and some uh, some good tackles going back the way so I all credit to Andy I hope he just he improves even further and uh, I hope that before he, his contract's up at Rangers and he moves on I hope he collects some, some winners medals because I think, I think the lad deserves it He totally deserves it and I remember when he signed for us he did his, his interview with Rangers TV and he said you know, he was just so happy to be here that he would play. He'd play and go for this club. You know, he would literally play in any position. 
And and we've seen that that he's kind of the ultimate utility player in that he'll he's filling in at left back now, doing a really good job. He's obviously played a deeper midfielding role. He's more comfortable in a more attacking role. I think we've seen him playing out wide when there's been injuries or suspensions in the past. So he really is quite a, a versatile and useful player. However, we're obviously missing Borna Barisic at left back. John Flanagan's not um, not quite found the consistency that we need from him, which is why Andy Halliday's taken up the left back spot. But Graham, how much of a role do you think that Andy Halliday will continue to have when Borna Barisic returns? Is he kind of just a stopgap until Barisic is back? Andy's one of those players that he, he's not that he doesn't have the greatest technical ability. He doesn't have uh, the greatest speed or vision. But what he lacks in those departments, he makes up for an endeavour. And I think that's what Stevie Gerrard sees in him. He sees a player who's prepared to put his body on a line. I mean, the first 10 minutes of the game today, I was I was a bit annoyed. I was saying, you need to get a shift on here, Andy, because that, that forward's got the beating of you if you let him run like that. But then he comes into the game and he works his way back into the game. And if, essentially, they did nothing down that side and even put up a couple of different people on they brought a substitute on the second half to try and run him and he was he was capable for that as well you know when when Barisic gets back what do you use Andy I think he'll become your typical utility player they'll they'll stick him in when we really need some someone rested or if someone's forms dipped Uh, so I think that's uh, but then you know that's Andy he's one of our own he'll give everything he's got Exactly. And, and, and like David mentioned, that is so important. It's crucial. And, and we love to see that as fans. You know, David referenced the, uh, the, 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 sorry, the cup semi-final last year when he was brought off at, at half, uh, just before half time. I was there that day and it actually it hurt seeing the guy coming off and, and having Celtic fans singing his name and everything. You could see how upset he was. And that kind of made me upset as well, seeing this guy who is not a particularly technically gifted player. He's never going to be a world beater. Um, but he gets his all for Rangers and to see him kind of getting that treatment and see how much it affected him, that then affected me. And I think it affected a lot of Rangers fans that day, seeing how upset he got. So to now see him kind of on the reverse side of that and, and enjoying his football again, finding his place in the squad, finding a manager that believes in him, is it's really, really nice to see. It was interesting at the end of the game when he went to the Rangers fans and gave the exact same fist pump that he got sent off for. I enjoyed that. I know, it's, it's a miracle he never incited a riot. Isn't it? I mean, any excuse to, to give us a card is laughable sometimes, isn't it? But <laughs> I guess, I, like, no, you're right, it's, it's good. It's, it, there's good times at the moment around the club. It feels good uh, to be a Rangers fan. And thankfully, over the last six six months or so we've been saying that more it feels good to be a Rangers fan and now obviously as we said at the top of the show that's culminating today with us reclaiming our rightful place at the top of the league um, I Celtic have a game in hand obviously they, they, they played and won the, the League Cup final today um, but the table doesn't lie we're top of the league um, and it's it's wonderful given the nightmares that we've been through over the past six years to finally be able to say that again. It's taken longer than I thought it would take. Um, but here we are, and now the challenge turns to defending it um, and holding off the advances of other teams who are going to want to knock us off that perch as quickly as possible. David, I've seen that Gerard has been kind of understating this, saying we're not looking at the league table, we're only looking at the next fixture and trying to pick up three points. And I can understand why he's saying that. But for you, is it significant to be top of the league at this point or is it completely 
irrelevant because there's so much football to be played this month, let alone for the rest of the season. It's significant in the sense that it's it's a psychological boost to the support. Um, I think uh, Stevie Gerrard's mentioned that in his, his post-match comments at, at the game today. Um, but also, it lets the other ticket know that we are in town and we're, we're going to be there or thereabouts this season, which psychologically, you know, they've, they've got to play catch-up, they've got to first part on Wednesday night, we take on Aberdeen. Assuming, you know, that, that, that we win uh, and that they win, they'll still be behind. So, even though they've got a game in hand, that's still got a, there's still a there's a, a psychological weight to be to be born there by Celtic, something that they've never had to do under Brendan Rodgers eh, or Ronnie Dyler for that matter. Um, certainly eh, since the Rangers came back in at the Premier League. So, yeah, I'm not reading too much into it. Um, you you can't win the league in, in December. You, you can lose it right enough. But, yeah, I, I would... I would uh, echo the, the manager's sentiments and, and say, you know, let's just concentrate on the next game. We've got a big game Wednesday night against Aberdeen. We've got a chance to get a, a degree of revenge back on them for the Cup semi-defeat. So, yeah, uh, all guns blazing uh, Ibrooks on Wednesday night and, and train, train our sights on uh, Aberdeen. You're absolutely right there to mention the, the psychological impact. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have points on the board than I'd be, you know, have the game in hand and be playing catch-up because... You know, they now have something to, to kind of fight for. And this is when we'll see, you know, the real mentality of, of that team of Celtic, which is which has never really been called into question. Like you say, you know, they've never had real pressure put on under Rodgers or under Dyla. And finally, now we're in a position to do it. And the psychological impact of, of not being top of the table and, and chasing another side and chasing a real challenger, you know, a, a real contender, is um it's going to be really really interesting and and I'm I'm so grateful to Gerard and his, his team that they've been able to kind of give us this position. You know we're not we're not talking six games in here. We're we're in December now. This is we're getting close to the halfway point of the season. This is a significant point in the season. Um, some huge games coming up in December, and if we can get to the game against them, to the Old Firm game at the end of December, and still be in this position and you know, going to this game looking to take a four-point lead or something at the top of the league, that is massive. It's absolutely massive, um, especially going into the winter break when things will start to recharge. Um, I think it's I think it's absolutely huge, a huge psychological impact. Right, guys, what we'll do now is we're going to move on to talk about the game last Thursday at Ibrox. Obviously, it was the return leg uh, in the Europa League against the Villarreal. Obviously, they, uh, they were our first opposition in the group stages of the Europa League this season. We go over to Villarreal and we got a 2-2 draw, which by all accounts was an absolutely superb result, especially going behind so early. Um, this time, Villarreal came to Ibrox. Uh, we once again had a man sent off and had to play more than 50% of this game with 10 men. Uh, and we came away with a very, very credible 0-0 draw. Uh, I think, again, we've shown the metal, we've shown the steel, the grit and the desire that, that Stephen Gerrard's instilled in the squad. Graham, how about yourself? What were your views on the game? Do you think a draw was a fair result? Were we lucky? Could we have gone on to win it? How did you view this one? My heart was saying we can beat these, but if you'd offered me a draw before the game, I'd have taken it. However, after the game started and we've got a player sent off in 40 minutes, you better believe it, I'm taking the draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Um, if you'd offered the draw before the game, I'd have, I'd have ripped your hand off. And then when Candace gets himself sent off, which we're going to discuss in a, in a wee moment, um, 
I thought there was no way we were coming away with a the result there. And I actually thought, maybe not on paper, but I thought in, in practice that was the end of Europe for us. Um, and the way that we kind of battled and, and the structure that we held and the shape um, was so disciplined and was so strong. I was really, really impressed with the performance. David, how about yourself? How did you view the game on Thursday? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was uh, a credible draw, as you say, Ross. Um, I'm going to probably sound a wee bit smart after the event here, but I, I went to the game having a feeling that we weren't going to get beat. Um, I thought we were capable of winning, uh, depending on how we started the game, but. Uh, and this might sound a wee bit critical of the players. I, I thought, yet again, we will lay off Villarreal. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, Villarreal are playing uh, in a league that's, that's most probably the, the, the highest technical standard of football in Europe. Um, they're, they're probably in a false position in the table in La Liga. Um, and they can knock the ball about. But I, I think we just gave them too too much space to, to, to move about I, I don't think we were we get close enough to them in the first 20 minutes or so and that kind of you know that kind of set the uh, set the scene if you like obviously um, Alan McGregor pulled off two incredible saves we could argue the second one was was world class um, Scott Arfield had a, had a, a really Guilt edge chance, which it, you know, had a snapshot and, and had it straight down a goalkeeper's throat. And another day that might have went in, and the, the game could have changed. But yeah, I, I, I concur wholeheartedly with Graham. After Daniel Kendace gets sent off, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we'll do well to give it a dodge here with the with our European aspirations still intact. And, and fair play to the players. I thought the, the second half performance, they, they were immense. Um, I thought that the midfield three were. Were tremendous. I thought um, Brian Jack, he was a wee bit shaky in the first half, giving the ball away a, a, a wee bit. Um, but the, the defence was was excellent. Um, James Tavernier again was, was, was pretty good. Uh, his, his levels of improvement in terms of his defensive capability have went up uh, a couple of notches in my book in the last six weeks or so. Um, the centre half were good. Obviously, the goalkeeper was was tremendous. John Flanagan again, he was put under under a bit of pressure, but he, he stuck to his guns and and showed his experience. And uh, yeah, I thought the, the Alfie and, and Glenn did well uh, as a as a two up front. But I think that you've got to pay credit to to, to the tactics. I think the, um, again, you saw it again today that when players when we get out to ten men, we seem to just click seamlessly into a different tactic uh, and you know we seem to play that 4-3-2 set up where the midfield essentially doesn't change if we start a game with 4-3-3 uh, and I think you, you saw on Thursday night that that tactic worked beautifully and another day you know that they could possibly we could have possibly nicked it but I think I would I would go along with Stevie's comments after the game and say that the, um, you know it probably would have been against the Against the run of play, if we'd have managed to come away with a victory, I think a, a draw was a fair result for both teams. I thought they did us proud, to be honest with you, David. I, I, would, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. I agree with the pair of you. I thought we were we were excellent when we went down to 10 men, particularly. Um, and Graham, David mentioned there the, the tactics that we kind of adopted when the, when the, uh, when the man got sent off um, and how we kind of stuck to the midfield and, and just dropped a 4-3-2. 
we've obviously had numerous occasions now, and we've mentioned it a few times, we've had numerous occasions when we went down to 10 men with a significant amount of the game left to play. Um, and it doesn't really seem to affect us that badly. Actually, we, we tighten up and we're very strong, we're very solid. Do you think that this is more down to the tactics, as, as David's kind of mentioned there, or is it down to the grit and the determination and the mentality of the players? I guess, which of those two is, is more important? Is it the tactics or the mentality? Well, first of all, you need tactics. If you don't have them, the grit and determination will see you so far. Uh, and the boys had that in spades on Thursday night. Well, the way Stevie went to uh, tighten up the middle of the park, where they were getting most of their joy, and forced them white so that we could defend the crosses, um, yeah, then the grit and determination comes into it. So I thought I thought his, his tactics were pretty decent once we once we went down to ten men, and then as as David says, we could enact it first through Glenn Middleton and then through um, Kyle Lafferty when he came on. Both had good chances. I mean, Glenn's was chopped off for being offside, but if he just holds his run there for for a yard, that's a goal, and there's nothing they can do about it. But you know, I was proud. Of, I was actually proud of the result. I'm immensely proud. I think we have the right to be immensely proud. You know, I, I think most of us probably went into that expecting that we we could be beaten, um, and that it wouldn't kind of be a, it wouldn't be wrong for us to be beaten. You know, like like David says, they're playing in probably the most technically gifted league in the world, in my opinion. Um, and so whilst we should never kind of be accepting of a defeat, I, I was I was really surprised, especially playing for 50 minutes with 10 men, really surprised and really proud, really delighted to come away and keep it in our hands. Um, you know, qualification from this is still down to us. And that's going into the last game. That's a really huge thing. And obviously you think back to where we've been starting this journey against Shkupi and... Otiek, Maribor, Ufa, to get this far and for it still to come down to the last game is is, is wonderful. And and like you say, Graham, I, I, they, they did us proud and, and you can't say more than that. You can't ask for more than that from these players. Obviously, yet again, we find ourselves discussing referees. We've discussed them so many times in the context of Scottish football, but for me, the refereeing standards in Europe have been just as bad um, and there have been just as many contentious decisions controversial decisions um, and I've been really disappointed by the standard of refereeing that we've seen. Um, the, the hardest one for me to take so far was in Moscow a couple of weeks ago um, when when Morelos had the goal chopped off before halftime, could have seen us going in 4-2 up and for me that kills the game and that's us done. Um, I was at the game in Moscow and I never really, actually from our position it looked, I thought it was offside and then I've seen the, seen the photos back and could not believe that the linesman had given it offside. Um, we have yet another contentious refereeing decision to talk about in the game against Villarreal on Thursday with Daniel Candace's red cards. We have questions of maybe mistaken identity. Um, did he know who he was booking, what he was booking the player for? Did he kind of just flash a yellow card to calm the situation down? Graham, what was your view of Candace's red card? Was it deserved or was that, was that harsh? I have absolutely no idea why... Uh, Daniel Candias has sent off all that. I have no idea why he's booked for it. From what I could see on the television footage, uh, he goes to have a word with James Tavernier and then he gets distracted by something and next thing you know, he's booking Daniel Candias and it's his second booking. So I think he made a pig's area, but I can't explain it. I have no idea. You see, I, I, I agree with you. I think he does. He starts looking like he's going to book Tavernier I mean, he could have even booked Morelos. Tavernier and Morelos both would have deserved more of a card than... I'm not saying they deserved a card at all, but they would have 
it would have been more of an understandable booking than, than Kandias. There's been a wee bit of discussion that maybe it was because Kandias allegedly stamped on the player's leg as he came down. He doesn't. Eh? If you actually watch the footage, he does everything that he can. He's an off-balance player. He's you know kind of fallen over. He does everything that he can to get his leg out of the way of the player. Um, the referee's report said that it squared up to the player, which he didn't. Well, no, I mean that's that's just patently untrue. He he never squared up to to the player, and the yellow card was kind of flashed so quickly that. He never had time to square up to the player, so I, I, I just I don't believe that was the case. David, how about yourself? What was your view of the red card? Um, on first viewing at the game, I, th- I, I thought it was uh, it was Morelis that, that came into contact with the player. Um, obviously, Candice has you know he's he's involved in the, the physical tumble altercation, if you like. Um, I've only seen it once back uh, on uh, from TV footage, and uh, again, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm a bit at a loss. I was thinking, what's what's going on there? I, I thought, could he, has he possibly um, thought that he's he's trampled on him uh, as he's, he's he's getting through? But um, I don't. I really don't know. Apparently, the, the, the Slovenian referee in question has has got previous, um, and he's, he's stated that. That Candias get booked for ungenerally conduct. So whether that you know pertains to the to the alleged squaring up, I, I really don't know, Ross. I, I'd need to view it back again. But again, you're looking for something that, that's kind of you know almost like a red flag to, to say, well, oh, that's possibly why the referee's attention would be drawn to the situation. I just think that the, as Graham said, I think that the guy just. Um, Made a mess of things. Whether he was he was directed by the linesman, I, I don't know. But you know, you, you look at the the VRL player. He went down, rolling about, clutching his face if he'd been shot. And I, I just think that the you know the, the the whole situation was you know it, it wasn't great to, to look at. It's, it's the type of stuff that, that used to be commonplace in, in European football. Obviously, we've not been in it for a while, so it's, it's maybe you know, it maybe comes home to is how how blatant you know certain actions on the park can can have a, a material impact on decisions made by the officials. Well, there's two mistakes, one after the other, David. Yeah. The first one is that James Tavernier is completely taken out of the game. The ball arrives at Daniel Kadnez. He holds it, waiting for the referee to, to stop the game. He doesn't. Um, so Daniel tries to move the ball on, and they pick up the ball, and you've got three of our players around them trying to get the ball back, which you would expect on a high press. Um, and then to compound it, he ends up sending off Daniel Kandias. That's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Graham. I'm, kind of, I'm at a loss as to, as to why he's been sent off. The, the only thing I was going to say there um, before you came in was that, again, you know, Kandias had been booked you know, just before then. Um, Kandias' busy style where he, he's, he's trying to harass defenders on the ball and catch them halfway in or midway inside their own half so that we can can spring up the, the park into a you know possibly a goal scoring position. I think that you know given the, the proximity to his, his first booking, I think he could maybe have tempered his his kind of aggression a wee bit. So that maybe harps back to the to the, the, the previous uh, topic where we were talking about the possible um ill discipline of the team. I think that maybe just, you know, Temper that, that aggression a wee bit. There's times when you, you need to lie off and, and not, you know, and not, not 
you know, actively invite the spotlight of the officials onto you. I, I know I appreciate that it's difficult in, in certain circumstances when you're playing in the game and the, and the blood's up and whatnot, and you know, for whatever instance, you just happen to be right under the nose of, of a linesman or the, the referee for that matter. But I just think that, you know, we can maybe be a bit cuter. And I think that, um, especially today when, when, when Scott Arfield went off, I think the team, you saw, the, in a, you know, the, the, the kind of silver lining to a grey cloud, if you like, where, you know, the team is learning. I just hope that when we go to Vienna, um, which is no doubt going to be another hostile environment to go into, that we can maybe learn some of the lessons that we've, we've picked up on European journeys so far and actually put it into, into practice for, for, for 90 minutes or 95 minutes or whatever it might be and, and hopefully um, come out of the other side on top. Well, listen, that brings us nicely on to the next question, which is that, obviously, as I said earlier, if we can get a win in Vienna, that's us through. If we fail to get a win in Vienna, that's it. That's Europe over for the season. And so it's, it's very much in our hands and it's a team that we've already beaten in the group stages this season. So, Graham, for you, what do we need to do to get the win here? Obviously, going away will be a much more, it'll be a very different prospect to facing Vienna in Ibrox. Um, they'll be out for revenge. They can still qualify as well if they get the win. So, how do you think we need to set up and what does Gerard need to do to, to guarantee that we get the three points here? Well, there's no reason why we can't get a win in Austria. Um, what do we need to do? Well, they've got um, a big centre-forward in, uh, what's his name now, Andrea Pavlovic. Um, and they've also got Andre Ivan. The front three are pretty decent. Um, and they play with aggression up there. As you've seen at Ibrox, they were more interested in manhandling our defenders. So if we can curb against that and clear up, where midfield will need to be really tight, picking up the second ball when more defenders have cleared it. But we can certainly cause them damage on the break. That's for sure. So do you reckon then it's a case of, you know, being tight, being structured and, and waiting to take an opportunity when it arises? Yeah, you've got to be patient. When you're playing away in Europe, you've got to be patient. And the Rangers fans will need to be patient as well. So there may be mistakes. But I think, I think we'll score. I don't think that they've got anything as a defence that we need to be you know, worried about, I think our, our attackers are, are much better. You see, for me, it's it's winnable. It is winnable. I don't make us favourites. Um, I think it'll be a, a tough ask. I agree with you, Graham. I think we'll score. Um, but this, for me now, as much as you can talk about tactics and how to set up, um, again, for me, this comes down to character. And thankfully, our lads have shown character. They've shown that they've got desire and that they've got bottle. We've gone to difficult places in difficult situations um, and ground out results, particularly thinking of uh, the game in Ufa to, to qualify for the group stages down to nine men in a very difficult environment. We've shown that we have character, we have desire, um, kind of also evidenced by the fact that I, I think I'm right in saying we've gone down to 10 men six times this season and we've not lost any of those games. In fact, I think we've won all of those games where we've gone down to 10 men. So we've got this belief and we've got this real resolute fortitude um, instilled in the dressing room so uh, whilst we're not favourites we have one hell of a chance to continue this this journey past Christmas um, and like I say if you think back to where we've been over the past six years and, and the difficulties that we've had and, and last year getting knocked out against Niederkorn progress Niederkorn in the first qualifying round to think that we're in this position is, is beyond my wildest dreams. Right, guys, I think the best thing to do now is to turn our attentions to the uh, the week ahead. 
obviously, as we've said, it's, it's a, a really hectic time for Rangers at the moment, a, a hugely busy schedule um, culminating in the Old Firm game at the end of December, but there's a lot of football to be played between now and then. Um, starting next up, we've got Aberdeen at home on Wednesday evening, followed by a very poor Dundee side uh, away next Sunday. Uh, David, obviously Aberdeen, uh, one of the tougher sides that will come up against this season. Um, however, not doing quite so well this year. Lost today in the Betford Cup final um, and traditionally struggle when they come to Glasgow and, and struggle when they come to Ibrox. Then going away to a very, very poor Dundee side who are really struggling and, and already look like they might struggle to hold on to their Premiership status next season. Is anything less than six points acceptable from this week? When you put it like that, yeah, we've got to collect maximum points, Ross. If we are serious about wanting to win the title last season, we've, we've got to win. Starting at home on Wednesday night against Aberdeen. As you mentioned there, they've obviously suffered a reverse in the, the, the League Cup final uh, this afternoon, so they'll be hurting. Um, I'd imagine that they'll, they'll come out uh, of the blocks quite sharpish on Wednesday night. Um, but I'm interested to see what tactics... Derek McInnes deploys. Um, but yeah, in this instance, it's about ourselves, Ross. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit well to win. You know, get back to the, jumping about a wee bit here, but get back to the rapid game, it's, 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 it's well to win. And that comes into the match against uh, Aberdeen Wednesday night. If we can get, um, get an early goal on the board, um, then I think that, we should go on it and win the match. I'm not saying it'll be, it'll be comfortable. I think it'll be a tight game because Aberdeen will raise their game. Um, their fans obviously enjoy games against Rangers. Um, so, yeah. Then, obviously, we, we, we go to Dens, which I'm going to slightly disagree with you. Um, even though Dundee are languishing the, in the, the lower reaches of the league this season, We've still got some reasonable players, didn't they? And uh, any team in the league on their day can can provide an upset. So that means that we've got to be uh, on our metal. We've got to um, play to win. We've got to contain and establish a right to win the game in the first uh, the first place. So yeah, they've look. It back it's back to the, the same old, same old, the, the old. Um, the old chestnut. If we want to win the league, we've got to go and win these matches. And the, the month of December, as we're talking about the, the pod last week, um, is a crucial month, and it will largely determine um, whether we are in the shake-up uh, to start a serious league challenge in the what's left of the winter months after the winter break. So, yeah, six points is as a must, I would say. You're right. September is a is a huge month, and and Aberdeen at home is is a really huge game because Aberdeen should be one of our closer rivals. Let's say you know obviously they've, they've taken second place over the last few seasons. Um, they've shown twice this season that they've they've been able to beat us, and and both times they, those have been you know incredibly frustrating results, particularly the the, the semi final. Uh, only a few weeks ago when it was a real smash and grab and I still can't quite get over how we lost that game. So hopefully we're we're setting out for a bit of revenge and showing that they're not a better side than us. And you know, like I say, they're slightly struggling this season. They're not showing the same form that they've shown over the past few years. Uh, Graham, I think there's gonna be you know, there's bound to be tired legs after today's game. It was a physical battle today for a lot of the players. There's probably a few bruises and scrapes. 
What changes would you make going into Wednesday to, you know, I would said already this evening, we need we need squad rotation, we need players to be fresh. Um, what changes would you make to, to set up against Aberdeen to give us the best chance? I think um, Borna Barisic will come back in um, to the side at left-back. Um, he may change the central defensive pairing, but I wouldn't like to see that. And then other than, you know, swapping around the two outside men, either side of the, the, the front three. It might change them around. But when, when you think about it, we don't really have a weaker side because you've got Clem Middleton and uh, Eris Gresner, um who can take up positions on the left. Ryan Kent can also take up positions on the right at the left if he's um, if he's fit. And Daniel Contreras, um, Ryan Kent and Eris Gresner can all take up positions on the right. Uh, I, I don't see... <laughs> I don't see him making too many changes. He might play um, Ross McCrory in the middle of the park. He might play Ryan Jack. He might play Lozana Koulibaly. He, he, won't, he probably won't play Scott Arfield because I don't think they'll, they'll appeal the red card. I think they'll let it, they'll let it go and allow him to miss that game. But um, Aberdeen will be fielding a weaker team as well because, and it, not to make light of the situation, but they will be hurting no more so than Gary McKay Stephen who apparently woke up in the hospital at half past four this afternoon after being KO'd. Um, so, you know, he's arguably the best player. Um, I don't know, it depends who turns up. Sometimes Aberdeen turn up and sometimes they don't. I think that's um, that's probably the best way to describe Aberdeen is that sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. They're, they're very inconsistent this season, more so than, than in the past few seasons. Um, the, the midfield question for me is, is quite interesting with Arfield. As you say, it seems that he probably will drop out because we're not going to not going to kind of game the system a wee bit. You know, we're not going to appeal. But if we did appeal, I think that means that he would be available. So there's there is the option to kind of play with the system that that kind of way, which we've seen before. You know, teams are not afraid of doing that. Um, it maybe isn't the most, most ethical thing to do, but um, we always could appeal it just to make sure that he's available for the game. I don't know if we need to because I think. You know we have we have a lot of midfield options, but for me, Arfield has been he's, he's taken a little bit of criticism this season. But for me, he's actually been one of the more consistent performers, and he's been growing into his role a lot more. He's kind of realised that he has got the freedom to get ahead of Morelos, get beyond him, and, and arrive into the box, and he's, he's picking up goals for his troubles. So I think he's a big miss. But I do think as well, if players like Ovi Adaria are on their game, um, we hopefully won't feel his absence too badly. Um, so that's an interesting question. Arasic, as, as you mentioned there, Graham, is, is becoming a bit of a strange one for me because it feels like we've been saying for quite a few weeks now that he's nearly ready. And I kind of was surprised that he didn't even make the bench today against Hearts because I thought, I, I kind of thought we were there with him. So it'll be really interesting to see if he is nearly ready or if he is ready, or, or what the position is, because it feels like we've kind of not been given too many details about that. Um, so it'll be an interesting one to see if he is fit. It might just be that he was being rested because Gerard wanted him to be you know, 100% fresh and ready to go against Aberdeen rather than risking him at 90% against Hearts, um, which is understandable. So it'll be an interesting one to see what happens at left-back. If he's not playing, then... I don't know who he'll choose because if he chooses Halliday or if he chooses Flanagan because he definitely has faith in the pair of them. You know, he played obviously played Flanagan against Villarreal and he, he didn't do too badly. So it's an interesting one. Aberdeen, like you say, are, are going to be hurting after 
today and then they've got to come back down the road on Wednesday evening and they don't have a good record obviously at Ibrox if we take that one aberration of a game under Caixinha out of the equation then it's 20 odd years that they've no one at Ibrox so the stats are in our favour it's it's all set up for us to, to kind of go and get a really positive result and show that the two performances against Aberdeen this season so far were anomalies and, and not representative of the true potential of the squad. David, it's possible that Gerard might try and take advantage of playing a slightly weaker side in Dundee by fielding maybe not his strongest eleven if he's got one eye on, on Vienna midweek. Um, obviously, the win in Vienna would take us through to the next round of Europe all the prestige that that has and, and the financial benefits as well. Would you say that it would be sensible maybe to field a slightly a slightly weaker side against Dundee? Is it right to prioritise Europe over the league or do you think he should be putting out his strongest 11 versus Dundee even if that had a detrimental effect on the game in Vienna? It's a difficult one, Ross, but um, I, I think that we're, we're in a reasonably fortunate position in that we can, we can rotate the squad um, and, you know, our general level won't drop too much, you know. But we've, we've got a, a decent squad in terms of they're all much of a, a muchness in terms of ability. And there's some players that are, are looking to get some game time, like like Sir Ross McCrory, Jordan Rossiter, Eris Gresda, that can come in, and they and still we can still put a, a strong team in the park. Yeah, I, I'm greedy. I want to I want to go into every game to win. Um, I think that's the, the right thing to do as Rangers Football Club. And uh, I wouldn't prioritise one competition over other. Obviously, the league's your bread and butter. Um, we want to win the league uh, this season, hopefully. Um, and but we also want to progress in Europe. Um, now, I, you know, if we, if we did, if we fell short and, and didn't make the last thirty-two, I still think we've, we've gave a good account of ourselves, especially about being a new team in Europe. Um, but I still think there's something in the, the back of my mind says that we're still capable of getting through the last 32. Getting to the last 16 might be, depending on the draw, might be a bridge too far. But I don't think we should we should, um, we should be resting too many players because Dundee are fighting for their lives. Um, despite what you've seen, I still think that we've got some decent players, uh, certainly in last season's form, and they've not really, um, they've not really put together a, a run of results as yet. And, you know, but I've been going to games for long enough now where a visit to Dens Park could be a potential banana and pride comes before a fall in, in many respects. So, assuming that we, we collect three points on Wednesday night and we remain top of the league, then yeah, we've got to go to Dens and, and take it one game at a time and, and make sure we collect all, all three points to Dens Park and remain at the top of the table. Exactly, David. When, when Ross put the question to us earlier about being top of the table, you know, it's never insignificant being top of the table because you're the one that everybody's chasing so everybody's at least going to try and lift their game a bit and these two games that are coming up against Aberdeen and Dundee these are the type of games that you just have to win you really have to win them because it's of paramount importance that you stay top of the table once you're there I agree 100% we've got to to go into every game aiming to win and if if we want to win trophies this season then we've got to win games it's as simple as that Graham makes a really, really good point there about players raising their game. Um, and, and we see that, you know, the team, other teams in, in Scotland raise their game to play Rangers. And we've, we've said this so many times on the show in the past that other teams will raise their game against Rangers. They want the scalp of beating Rangers. And that is now compounded by the fact that we're top of the league. 
Aberdeen always raise their game against us. Aberdeen always play out of their skins against us. If you ever see Aberdeen playing against like a St Johnston or a Kilmarnock, they're they're not the same side that show up to play against us. And Dundee will have the same thing, plus the added factor that they're fighting for their lives already, that they're already at risk of being kind of cut away at the bottom of the table. Um, and, and that's what's going to make these two games more difficult than, than they otherwise might have been. And that's why I kind of agree with the pair of you that we need to put ourselves in, in the strongest positions possible to uh, to win both games, stay top of the league and, and keep this title challenge going as, as long as we can, certainly up until the end of the month when, when we face Celtic. Right, gents, I'm sorry to say that's us out of time for this week. So uh, I'd like to say a, a huge thanks to the both of you for, for joining us today and for your excellent and, and very sensible input. A special thanks to you, Graham, as well, for your continued hard work as our audio engineer. To everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, please do hit subscribe, maybe leave us a wee comment, let us know if there's anything you want to hear more of. Uh, if you've agreed, disagreed with anything we've said, or if you just want to hurl some abuse at us, you can always find Graham, David and myself. We're over on the Gersnet forum. You'll also find loads of great articles, match previews, debates, loads more stuff. Definitely head over to www.gersnet.co.uk if you haven't already done so and check it out. We're going to be back next week. Colin's going to be in the hot seat, so make sure you join us again for that same time, same place. All that's left for me to say is a, is a big thank you once again for listening, and I hope you all have a great week.